We are continuing in a series today called The Truth, where we're looking at what, uh, what the truth, what the Bible says about the nature of truth, our posture towards the truth, our relationship with the truth, uh, what we do with the truth or towards the truth. We're just, we're kind of looking at uh, and shaping our minds uh, by the scriptures around what it means uh, to think truly, to follow the truth, to believe in the truth, all the truth stuff, right? And so we're going to be in J- the Gospel of John chapter 16 today, and we're going to look today specifically at how it is that we discern or decide how to walk the path of truth. So we're, uh, you guys ever had a tough decision in your life? Anybody? Yeah, like, and have you ever faced those decisions and you, you do that thing where you're like, God, would you help me know what to do? Anybody been there? Okay, so, so, how, so, so that's common to the human experience. And uh, the other thing, too, is um, like the Bible uh, is so frustrating because <laughs> you get to those like places in your life where you have to make a decision or you have to discern a path to go down, and then you hear people like me telling you the Bible, like they'll say like the, B-I- the B-I-B-L-E, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth, Right? And, 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 and if the next time somebody says that to you, just, just, just don't applaud, okay? Because first of all, when you read the Bible, you'll notice it's not at all basic. Most of it's not even instruction, and the end game is not leaving earth, but heaven reuniting with earth, going back to the Eden thing. So it's like all wrong. Or I'll hear people say things like, well, the Bible is the handbook for life or the manual for life. You guys ever heard that before? Have you ever read a manual? Any of you guys ever put Ikea furniture together? Okay, they don't even use words. They just use little drawings, right? Uh, it, does the Bible read like a manual? No. It's, like, like it's not a manual. It's, not, it's, it's wisdom literature. So the Bible shapes us to be wise, to be like Jesus, wise and loving. So when we think about the truth and we think about how the truth is working on us, what it means to walk in the truth, the question that we want to explore today is when we come to those decisions, when we come to those difficult spaces in life where we're trying to navigate which way is the wise way, which way is the loving way, how will we know the truth? In those moments. And that's what we're going to explore today as we look at the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 16. And so we're looking at, uh, oh, oh um, today at 11 o'clock, we, uh, we will have a bunch of different classes and groups going on all over campus. But if you don't have a class or group to go to, I want to invite you to join me here in this room at 11 o'clock. Uh, and we're going to do a sermon question and response. So if there's questions that you have during the sermon, maybe you've got some critiques, that's totally fine. In your handout, you can find a phone number where you can text in those questions or those critiques, that's fine. Uh, And then at 11 o'clock, I'll actually go through those and respond to them to the best of my ability. Also, you're free just to join us at 11 here uh, in this room and just ask the questions out loud. You don't have to text them in. So I'd love to dialogue with you about uh, the sermon. I I know that the sermonic form is is monologue, and I know that Jesus, for the most part, engaged in dialogue because it actually works better. And I would invite you, I'd love to dialogue with you about the text today. So, um, but as it is, I'm up here with a microphone and you're there without one, so let's keep going into the text. How is it that we discern not only what is ultimately true, but the way of truth? Uh, How many of you have ever believed something to be true and then later found out you were wrong about it? Yeah, happens to me all the time. Uh, Let me, can I ask, I'm going to ask you guys a question, okay? You ready? And I want you to tell me the truth. Ready? Here we go. What color is this dress? (laughs) 
Go on, tell me. What color is the dress? Blue and black? Anybody else? White? Blue and brown? Okay. Who's, what's the truth? What's the truth? Well, uh, hold on. Are you guys telling me, based on clear, plain evidence, that based on your perspective of the clear, plain evidence, that you actually have a different perspective on the truth? Is that what you're telling me? All right, let's try this one more time. Okay. Uh, let's see here. What color is this fruit? Somebody said red. Somebody said brown. Now, what color is this fruit? It's actually red. That color is not red. Yeah, actually, there's no red color on this, in this picture. And yet, for some of us, we were like, red. Because, notice this, we've been trained, haven't we been conditioned by our experience? We've been conditioned by our experience to see strawberries and go, what? Red. And yet there's no red here. Okay? Uh, this phenomenon has even made it all the way to uh, social media. So, uh, what color is this shoe? Is it mint and gray or pink and white? Okay, good. So, does anyone think it's mint and gray? Okay, good. So, you're telling me that based on the clear evidence before you, that based on your position, your perspective, that we understand the truth to be something different. Uh, later today, uh, you guys are going to go out and you're going to have tacos in order to support our student ministries. And I'm going to ask you to consider this question, what are the best tacos? And you're going to say, this one I'm currently eating right now after I've made a generous donation to our student ministries. Now, here we have uh, a dress, uh, a, a picture of strawberries, we've got a, a shoe, and we're wondering, okay, so how is it uh, that my, I'm viewing or understanding the truth differently than the people in the room next to me? I mean, we seem to be reasonable people, most of us, and uh, we seem to be, we're, we're not very far apart, and yet, based on our experience, our, our assumptions, we're seeing it differently. Now, here's what's really interesting, is we actually are experiencing it differently, so the um, the Journal of Vision, which is actually a thing, the Journal of Vision in 2017 studied this phenomenon, and one of the things that they discovered was depending on the amount of electric light that you experience day by day, specifically on a computer screen or phone, your brain processes images differently. It has different assumptions about color schemes and what colors are than a person who primarily experiences natural light during the day. One of the things that they discovered was, especially as it relates to the dress, the infamous dresses, they were able to discover that by and large, people who thought it was one color had a higher exposure to digitized imagery than those who had a smaller or lesser degree of exposure to digitized imagery. The experiences that they had caused them to make different assumptions or perspectives on what was true. Now, this is not new. This is something that, uh, that, that thinkers have explored for many years. In fact, uh, Blaise Pascal had this idea in his book. Uh, the, it's actually a collection of essays, The Pensies. Uh, he was a 1700s mathematician and theologian. And this is what he articulated. He said that you and I are down here making our conclusions, right? We're looking at the same evidence, the dress, the, the bowl of strawberries. We're looking at the same evidence and we're making two different conclusions about the evidence. 
And so what happens when we come to two different conclusions about the evidence? We have a disagreement. We have a fight. Now, here's what Pascal said. Pascal said and noticed that before we come to our conclusions as a person, we have all of our life experience, which shapes our assumptions so that when we view the evidence, we come to a different conclusion, oftentimes, than someone who had a different life experience and had different assumptions looking at the same evidence but coming to a different conclusion. So I want to invite you into, into, into the thinking more deeply about how this might actually help some of the arguments that you're having with loved ones. We find ourselves, I just want to invite you, we find ourselves, don't we, saying things like this. When we're disagreeing with, oh, what's something that people might disagree with today? Um, hmm. If only I could think of some relevant, divisive topic right now in the county of Maricopa where people are very upset and angry, but I'm trying to think of what it might be. Any ideas? Uh, let's talk about tacos. So, <laughs> right? Carne asada is better than chicken taco, whatever it is, right? Politics, whatever it is. When you're arguing with someone, we have a tendency to say things like this. When they have a different viewpoint than we do, we say things like this. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? I can't believe you're such an idiot. Now, I want to invite you, perhaps, perhaps, to a better way. If that way is working for you, great. If you're finding unity, love, and peace in your relationships approach, with that approach, killer. Keep it up, man. I'd like to invite you in a different way, and th that's this way, okay? So when we're looking at the same evidence and we're coming to different conclusions, what we might want to do is actually ask some questions about, well, tell me what's going on inside of you when you look at that evidence. Tell me why that matters to you right, this conclusion about that evidence. We may actually want to go from the disagreement about the evidence and actually know more about the person. Because if we know more about the person, we might actually discern why it is that they're seeing the same evidence we're seeing but coming to a different conclusion. To put it another way, do we want to win the argument or do we want to win the relationship? Because we can both look at the same dress, and because of our life experiences and our assumptions, our, like, like all of our fears and concerns and worldviews and things that make us tick and things that we've been told over and over again, because of all that, we may come to two different conclusions, just like the dress. And yet, at the end of the day, Jesus calls us to unify with one another. So how do we do that? How do we walk together in the way of truth. One of the things we say uh, at DSBC frequently is we're, we're not here to tell you what to think. Right? The last thing I want is for you to borrow my convictions. And here's one of the reasons why. They keep changing. They keep shifting. They keep, I hope, maturing. Although for some of you, you might be like degrading. Right? Some of your ideas, Caleb, are degrading. That's fine, right? My, my, my convictions keep shifting and changing. So the last thing I want is for you to borrow my convictions because I might be wrong. Our hope for you here at Desert Springs is that by the power of the spirit of the living God that you would discern your own convictions. But, so I'm not here to tell you what they, I'm, just, I'm just here to show you to the best of my ability what I'm seeing in Jesus and then invite you to join us collectively into that space. So we might have our minds and our hearts renewed by the living God. So how do we do that? How do we walk the Jesus way together? 
especially when we sometimes see things differently. We see the same evidence, but we come to two different conclusions. So, so we need more than our... Uh, so, so, so let me know if you agree with this. We need something more powerful than our own brains in order to bring about unity in the midst of different opinions, right? Like, this is a leading question, but I'm going to assume that you agree with me. Okay, so what do we need? Well, here we go. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, okay? So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking to his disciples in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. He's talking to them about what's going to happen after he leaves. So he's on his way to be crucified. He'll, they'll put him in a tomb. Three days later, he'll rush. Spoiler alert, three days later, he'll rise from the dead conquering over Satan, sin, and death. And then 40 days after that, he ascends into heaven. And Jesus is telling his disciples what's going to happen after that. But during and then after that. So we'll pick it up in 16, verse 1. He says, I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. So remember, Jesus kept saying things like this, follow me. And so the earliest, uh, uh, the early, what we would call Christians, they didn't, the earliest uh, Christians didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves people of the way. Because walking the Jesus way, right? Jesus said, follow me. And so a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. But when you're walking the Jesus way, sometimes when there's resistance, when there's pressure, when there's, when there's uh, attacks, sometimes when we're walking the Jesus way, it can be difficult and we can stumble off the path. So uh, uh, Terry Wildman last week, who did an excellent sermon, said that when he translates, uh, sometimes when he translates the word sin, he will translate it the broken path. It's walking the broken path. By the way, the word repentance, if you guys, have you guys ever heard the word repentance before? So repentance, it's got a lot of like heavy overtones in like American uh, culture. And here's what repentance means. Repentance means I'm going my own way. I'm going the wrong way. And my re- repentance is turning internally and with my mind and my actions. It's turning back to Jesus. So it's going my own way. Jesus says repent. And it means to turn back. Turn back to the healthy, good path, right? That's repentance, right? It's turning back to the Jesus way. So sometimes we stumble off the Jesus way, but Jesus says, I'm gonna tell you this stuff to keep you from stumbling so that you're aware when resistance comes, you'll be ready for it. When chaos and confusion comes, you don't need to stumble, you'll be ready for it. Here he goes. They will ban you from the synagogue. So this is like, um, it's kind of like the equivalent of a Jewish church building, I, it's, it's the Jewish meeting house in various towns. And they will ban you from the synagogues. By the way, the majority of um, the people uh, hearing this, especially when Jesus said it, were Jewish and went to synagogue. In fact, time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. I just want to notice that Jesus notices that there can be occasion where people will do murder and think they're pleasing God. So we gotta be real careful when people use God talk to justify violence. In fact, I would just strongly encourage you, anytime someone uses God talk in the same sentence as violence, you should go, hmm, tell me more. Anyone who kills you will think that they're offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember that I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. So Jesus is preparing his disciples, his followers, to live, to walk the way of truth without him out front physically. So up until this point in time, Jesus has literally been out in front of them physically saying, let's walk this way. And now he's saying, I'm leaving 
So I'm preparing you. How are you going to walk the Jesus way without Jesus physically in front of you? You guys got, got it here? Okay, so let's keep going. Check this out. But now I am going away to him who sent me, so to, to Yahweh, to the Father. And not one of you asked me, where are you going yet? Because I have spoken these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. So how are they feeling? Sorrowful, okay? Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. There's that word again, the truth, right? We keep running into that word, the truth. I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, watch this now, if I don't go away, the what? The counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Okay, so this is really interesting. Do you think he means legal counsel? Like, y'all are going to get so oppressed, I'm going to send you a divine lawyer. No, it's not counselor in the sense of like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, counselor. Uh, this is someone to give counsel or advisor. The, the word could also be translated as a helper. So I will send a helper, an advisor, a counselor. Okay, so what do you think he's referring to? Yeah, ding, 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 you guys get 100 points on the Bible quiz. Yeah, he's talking about what we would refer to as the Holy Spirit, but I want you to see something. That, that God reveals, this is, so, this is like nosebleed section theology, God reveals himself to us as one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you say, how can that be? And I just say, that's why we sing. All faith terminates in mystery. How can God be one God in three persons? I don't know. I don't know. But I know it's how God reveals himself to be. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you in to look at how Jesus talks about the Spirit. Ready? Now, here we go. First of all, he gives him a title. He doesn't say, I will send to you the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll send to you what? The counselor, the helper, the advisor. These are titles given to clue us in as to what the Spirit of God's role is in our lives. One of the Spirits of God's role is in our lives. Check this out. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, if you guys have been following along with us, you know that in your Bible, there's two words that are often paired together, and they're oftentimes used to talk about the character of God and what the character of his people should be. And those two words in your Old Testament, it's uh, mishpat and tzedakah, or justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. Go through your, when, later today when you go home and read your whole Bible, which I'd strongly encourage you to do, when you go home and read your whole Bible, you will find that justice and righteousness are often paired together as character qualities of God. It's living rightly in the world or on earth as it is in ha heavenness. It's justice and righteousness. And here he says that the Spirit will come, he'll convict the what? The world, the cosmos, about sin and justice, this word judgment can also be, it's the Greek word for judgment or justice. Justice and righteousness, do you see it here? So here Jesus is kind of riffing on this biblical theme of the character qualities of God that are most pronounced in the text, justice and righteousness. So the Spirit will do what? Convict whom? The world about three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment or justice. Okay, so check this out. About sin, so three things. So one, the Spirit will convict the world about sin because they do not believe in me. So the Spirit, watch this now, for people who turn from their sin and turn, wait, which way was sin? When I did it earlier, was God over here or sin over here? Sin is this way. Okay, so Jesus is over here, sin is this way. I think I had it backwards last time. Okay, so we're going our own way 
And then the Spirit does a work to convict people that exist in the cosmos about sin so that they do what? Repent, turn, and follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. So what's the Spirit do? The Spirit does the convicting work. Are your arguing, uh, are, is your arguments going to convict people of sin? Is your yelling and screaming going to convict people of sin? Is your power going to convict people of sin? Oh, only the Spirit of the living God. It's good to know, right? About the, the Spirit will convict the world about sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Righteousness, to put it another way, it's living rightly. Walking the right path. So why does the Spirit need to convict us about righteousness? Because Jesus won't be around physically to show us. Right? Okay, so let's keep going. Because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Do you see it? Why is the Spirit coming to convict us of righteousness? Because we can't physically see Jesus. And about judgment or justice, because the rulers of this world have been judged. He's, he's winking at Caesar, by the way. And the evil power structures that exist in this world, that the ruler of this world, uh, to put it another way, um, oh, and you should totally ask me this in the question and response time later. Uh, he also is winking at um, evil incarnate, what in modern nomenclature we would refer to as Satan, although that just is the accuser, so evil embodied. So the evil power structures of this world, right? Powers, principalities, rulers, and authorities. We're not going into it now. Ask me in the question and response. Let's keep going. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. I have a question for you. What's about to happen to Jesus? He's about to be crucified. He's going to die. They're going to put him in a tomb, 40 days, and then he ascends into heaven. The question I have is, when is he going to tell us these many things? Now, my understanding of the text is he's saying that, this, that I will tell you by the power of the Spirit. That you will hear my voice through the conduit of the Spirit. So I'm going to tell you things with the Helper's help. Is tracking with me? I just have this question. Um, does Jesus still speak today? And, but like, how do you hear? How do you hear? By the power of the Spirit. So let's keep going. Check this out. When the Spirit, oh gosh, we, so far I've been referring to this entity as the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. Notice what Jesus says. The Spirit of, what is it? The Spirit of truth. Okay. So, <clears throat> I have a thousand experiences that have shaped my mind. I have tens of thousands of assumptions about how the world works, about anything that I perceive. It's, it's going on subconsciously most of the time. And when I look at a decision and I face the evidence, how will I know the way of truth? Does discerning the way of truth primarily come from my mental capacities to logic and reason the way forward? Or, as I think the text is arguing, is it by the power of the Spirit of the living God? To put it another way, when I'm walking the Jesus, which way was Jesus' way? When I'm walking the Jesus way, is it the Jesus way? Whew, <laughs> when, 
when I'm walking the Jesus way and I come to what may be considered a stumbling block, maybe a fork in the road, a decision that I have to face, how will I know the Jesus way forward? Because he's not physically in front of me to show me, go this way or that way, right? How will I know the way of truth? This is what Jesus says. The spirit of truth will give you insight in those moments to know which way is the Jesus way. Notice he's not talking to isolated individuals, but to a community of people, isn't he? He's saying, you, my disciples, collectively, when you face these decisions, when you're walking the Jesus way and you face these decisions, not just as individuals, but as a group of people, the Spirit will reveal to you the way forward. Um, Again, later when you're at home reading your whole Bible, when you get to the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, there's this huge fight that's going on. And it's, it's a fight about ethnic expression and requirements to be a part of the church. It's about circumcision. And these church leaders are fighting with each other and they're reading the Bible and they're arguing about it and they're trying to figure out. There's this moment in Acts chapter 15 where, where one, of the, uh, one of the church leaders gets up and says, all right, so we prayed a bunch and we consulted the scripture a bunch and we talked about it a bunch. Now listen to this. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that this would be the decision. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that this is the direction that we're going to go. And then they, they wrote letters to all the churches saying, this is what we think is the direction to go. That's how, the, and you'll see that all throughout your Bible. That's how people who are following the Jesus way, when they get to tough decisions, when they're trying to figure out what's the, tr- what's the way of truth in this confusing moment that they relied on humbly, they relied on the power of the Spirit. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people are using uh, Holy Spirit, uh, conversations about the Holy Spirit as if it, it, it um, let me try something on you. Okay, so there's a lot of weirdness in, in American evangelicalism around the Spirit. And I, here's just, just, I want you to notice something here. That the Spirit does not speak to people to give them like lottery numbers. The Spirit doesn't speak to people to give them special, sneaky, unique insight to grow their own power. The Spirit speaks a truth that shapes us more into the image of Christ. So if someone is saying to me, well, the Spirit's telling me to do this, my question is, is that making you more like Jesus? Because the Spirit never says a word contrary to Jesus. The Spirit is guiding us in the way of Jesus. And so if someone says, well, the Spirit of God told me, um, you know, to, um, to rob McDonald's, I would just want to pause for a minute. And, uh, you know, we're a bunch of misfits. It could be, they could be right. But I just want to spend some time praying and thinking through, is that a Jesus way? Is robbing the McDonald's a Jesus way? Is that, is that what Jesus I don't think so. Um, and so we would do that together as a community, right? And so even though there's a lot of weirdness about the Spirit, the Spirit's job is not to give us like unique individualistic insight. It's to shape us as individuals, but also us as a community more and more into the image of God. That's what Jesus calls us towards, is towards spiritual maturity. Notice this. What does the Spirit do? Glorify me, the individual? When I get the Spirit, look at me. Right? Look at my fantastic giftings. No. 
The Spirit always glorifies Jesus because he will take what is mine. So he takes what is Jesus and declares it to us. The truth that we receive from the Spirit is the truth of Christ. So when Jesus says, my sheep, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice, we know his voice by the power of the Spirit. And what is declared uh, to you, everything that the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from uh, what is mine and will declare it to you. So the things that we receive from the Spirit are the Lord's. It's the way of Jesus. And so that when we talk about being led by the Spirit of the living God, we're talking also about being led by what some biblical authors would call the Spirit of Christ in you, because the Spirit wants to guide us in the way of Jesus, to walk the path of Jesus. And so when we come to those moments where we're not sure which way to go, here, I believe, is the posture that we're to take. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, would you show me the way forward? And would you help my friends to affirm or critique that together? Put us on the same page. I mean, here's the deal. Have you ever misheard somebody? Have you ever listened to like a favorite song and you've got the lyrics and you're singing it and then you discover those aren't actually the lyrics? Right? Uh, uh, Led Zeppelin has a song called Ramble On. And I used to think it was Revelon. And I wondered why are they singing about makeup and I couldn't figure it out. For 10 years I was singing Revelon. Dun, 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 right? And I, I couldn't figure it out. Right? Has that ever happened to you? You've misheard something? So one of the ways, you, you know how that was corrected in my life? One of my friends was like, what are you singing? You, you idiot, the song's called Ramble On. I'm like, oh, okay, that, okay. How, did, how, was my, how was the word clarified in my life? God using somebody else. So, so the, one of the ways to protect me as as an individual from mishearing the word of God is to be open in a community of misfits where we say, man, like if I come in and I'm like, hey, the spirit of the living God just told me to rob McDonald's. The way that we protect against that type of incorrectness is by being open to correction within the context of a Jesus-centered community. He's leading not me as an isolated individual, he's leading us. And so when I come to those spaces where I, I'm not sure what the way of truth is, I'm going to, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, I'm going to rest in Jesus who is the truth, right? When we talk about ultimate truth, ultimate truth is expressed ultimately in the person of Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm going to rest in, I'm going to abide in the truth, namely Jesus, and I'm going to be led by the spirit of truth day by day, moment by, no, my, by moment, knowing that the, the understanding and knowledge of the truth that I have is not to puff me up or give me more might and power according to my own way, yet it is to make me more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. So if I'm walking a path that's growing the arrogance inside me, I'm probably walking the wrong path. If I'm walking a path that's constantly uh, inducing fear and rage inside of me, I'm probably not on a Jesus path. And if you're on that path, listen, I've got great news for you. Jesus says to everybody, turn and follow me. Jesus is always ready to receive us. There's a reason why we call uh, the grace of God, amazing. I mean, we even sing about it, right? Amazing grace. Because his grace is deeper than the ocean. 
His love for you is more profound than the intricacies and the expansive nature of the cosmos. Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine. And so when we find ourselves walking the wrong way, going the wrong way with our hearts, our minds, our actions, our attitudes, Jesus says, turn back to me and come and follow me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he says. Just come and follow me. It's okay, come and follow me. And as we follow Jesus, we submit ourselves to his spirit in our lives. He leads us in the way of truth. And so in a world that's confused about truth, confused about its nature, confused about how to discern it, confused about how to live in truth, we recognize that ultimately Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we follow him by the power of his spirit. I want to invite you into that journey.